Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, welcome to The Backpack. My name is DJ, I'm one of your hosts, and thanks for joining me back at the canteen. This is one of our regular segments where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. We're back in the Gospel of Luke this week, Luke chapter 10. As we kick off a new mini-series in Luke, we're calling Snapshots and Shovels, looking at how Jesus sends the disciples out on mission as they now are learning by following and doing uh, as they walk with him. So let's listen in to Pastor Blake as he kicks off the mini-series in this week's message. Yesterday morning, uh, at about 7.30, we were on some back road in the middle of Florida, and that song came on the radio, and my 11-year-old, with headphones on, on a device, getting ready to endure a 12-hour trip in the car, pulled her headphones off and said, Dad, turn that one up. And uh, I would say uh, to what we just sang together as a church family, Amen, turn that one up. Love that song and love singing it with you. It's good to, to be with you all this morning. I want to encourage you to find Luke 10. Luke 10. Uh, we're starting a new series today that's going to carry us all the way to, to Thanksgiving called Snapshots and Shovels. Snapshots and Shovels. Uh, you have probably seen a snapshot at some point in time on social media when a group is, is breaking ground on a new project. There's one happening in Shelbyville even right now, right? Leaders in the community and people who've worked hard on the project come together to announce that construction is about to begin. Anytime you see one of these snapshots, it's an exciting time, right? It's an exciting time for the people in the picture and at that ceremony because a lot of them have worked really hard behind the scenes getting to the point where something new can be built. And at the same time, it's exciting for the people in the community because they get to start anticipating what's coming what's next if you are in shelbyville it always comes with the question i wonder when we're going to get a restaurant what's the next restaurant that's coming right you know these conversations in shelbyville but snapshots and shovels breaking new ground over the next six weeks we're going to study luke chapter 10 and luke chapter 11 because in many ways uh in in these chapters there's this picture of the new ground that jesus is breaking in his ministry Jesus in, in these two chapters in these two these two chapters is headed back towards Jerusalem. And he knows why he's going. He's going to be crucified for the sins of the world. And as he goes, he's still breaking new ground in people's lives all along the way, one person at a time. It's a beautiful picture of the Savior. And, and he begins to include the disciples who have stayed with him in this ministry to people. He, he begins to use them in this, in this ministry. And we believe here at Christ Community in Jesus' salvation in us, by grace through faith. But it's not just salvation that, that Christ wants to do in us, right? He also wants to work in and through us to break new ground in people's lives. And so what we see happening in Luke 10 and 11 we believe that through his grace and his power can begin to happen in and through us, that he could break new ground in us. So you might be asking, well, who is this series really for? Well, this series is, is for the cynic. It's, it's for the cynic who doesn't know if they can trust Jesus or not. 
It's for the cynic who maybe has known Jesus for a long time, but, you know, they're just beginning to wonder, what's real? Like, is there anything left in this faith thing that's real, or is it just this religious show? This series is, is for the faithful follower that's desperate for Jesus to do something new in their life. Uh, this series is, is for those maybe who are coming out of a season that's humbled them. And out of that, that new humility, the holiness that God is bringing about in their lives, they're ready to serve Jesus in new ways. They're ready to see where Jesus wants to send them next. It's for those that have experienced some big change in life, maybe a positive change, maybe a negative one, and you're trying to figure out what that new ground that Jesus has for you is. Um, this, this series is, is, is for those who are ready for Jesus to break new ground in their life and through their life. It's for us, Christ community. So I'm excited, and, and I want us to hear the, the word of the Lord this morning. So if you found Luke 10, follow along with me uh, in your Bibles on the screen. We're going to read the first 24 verses and then ask God to speak to us from his word. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. Jesus told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near you. And when you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we are wiping off even the dust of your town that clings to our feet as a witness against you. Know this for certain. The kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Trazen! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you'll go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, Jesus says, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However... Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And at that time, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. And then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things you see, 
but didn't see them. To hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. Holy Spirit, we ask and pray that your word, the word of God, would be revealed to us today, that you would give us childlike faith so that we might hear and see the good things you are doing in our midst. Teach us from your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> one of the things our family did this past week was watch a documentary one evening about young babies in the wild. Now, I wasn't sure whether to laugh or to cry as we watched the story of a young baby seal being born on the coast of Africa. This mother seal had made her way uh, with a few thousand of her closest friends up on shore to have her seal pup. And as this little seal pup is being born, everyone in the room is swooning over this baby seal. Oh, oh, and declaring how their next pet is, of course, going to be a baby seal. I want one. And as they're doing this, I hear the narrator of the documentary say, this little baby seal pup will be completely dependent upon his mother for food and protection for the next six weeks of his life. And then boom, the documentary flashes to some other mother-baby combo. We had it all. It was fun. You know, you're jumping around. You're watching all the things. And, and as, we're, as it jumps back to our, our seal friends, the narrator comes back and he says this, only a few days old. The baby seal will have to fend for himself as mom goes back to sea to hunt for food. And I'm like, wait a second. The last thing you said about this baby seal was that he was completely dependent upon his mother for food and protection. And now she's leaving. She's gone. Well, of course, we've got to build some drama, right? Who wants to watch a documentary if there's not a story? So the traumatic drama begins. And while she's gone, the baby seal starts moving through the pack of seals looking for his mom and they're describing how they can know each other by their sounds but as he comes up to each mom it's not her shock and and it's as it's not her they're like beating up on the baby seal and and then he gets stuck in the middle of the pathway and there's a bull seal and he's not really concerned about the baby he's concerned about making babies and so he tramples him and he just like gets rolled over and then, of course, you know, this poor, pitiful seal that everyone is now feeling sorry for and who is without his mom and not protected and has no food finds his way to the edge of the pack in search of his mom. Exhausted, he's laying on the beach. And here comes a hyena from Africa. And you watch this hyena come up. I mean, you're like, okay, it's a documentary. I know it's got to have a good ending, right? But you're watching this hyena, like, try to bite this baby seal and of course, at just the right moment, here comes these epic pictures of some adult seal like you know, swimming through the water very quickly and she's coming to save the day and the baby seal lives. Hooray! Sometimes life feels like being a baby seal. Can I get an amen? We feel all alone. We're haunted by this traumatic moment, all these things that have happened in life and we're left waiting for our rescuer. And because of that, we do everything we can to become strong and dependent and independent as quickly as we can, right? Because nobody wants to end up getting eaten by the hyena. So we're like, how can I defend myself? We quickly learn how to take care of ourselves. In fact, it's applauded, right? The quicker your kids start doing things for yourselves, you're like, yeah, go for it. The less I got to do, right? 
Luke 10 starts with the words, after this, after this. What happened just before this is actually an exchange between Jesus and some of his disciples where Jesus essentially tells them, you have become so independent of me in the way that you live that you no longer know how to depend on me. We live in this tension, don't we? Like deep down inside, all of us know that we need Jesus. We, we need someone like that baby seal needs his mom. Because at the end of the day, like we, we need someone who's helping to protect us and to feed us and to give us the things that we need. But at the same time, none of us want to be the baby seal. We don't want to be so dependent on Jesus that we're vulnerable to those who can hurt us. And so we learn to protect ourselves. We learn to, to be independent. After this, that little phrase at the beginning, right? That's the moment that Jesus' disciples are in. After this. You know, after this, we're often scared to have childlike faith. And yet, the tension is, Jesus tells us that's exactly what we must have. Later in Luke chapter 18, verse 17, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, your after this moment may, may not be a call out from Jesus like it was for these disciples, but, but its effect may be the same. Your after this moment might be some suffering that you're going through after you've made this significant sacrifice to serve someone else. Like you gave up a lot to serve someone, maybe in your family, maybe a friend, maybe somebody you work with. You gave up a lot and now you're suffering because of what you gave up. And your brain's telling you, I won't do that again. I see where that got me. Maybe you're after this moment is, is church hurt. After that church hurt, I'm, I won't open myself up to people. I won't open myself up to Jesus like that again. It's too painful. Instead, I'll become more independent. I'll develop a personal relationship with Jesus. I'll be stronger. I'll do it my way. Maybe you're after this moment is a good thing. It's like it's a good season in life where you saw God do some incredible things, but then coming out of that, after that, instead of continuing to depend on Jesus... You started depending on the success that you found in that good season. After this, it's hard to have a childlike faith. Maybe it's just life in general, right? Like, like we live in a, a great place. Not, not just America, but Shelbyville is a great place. And life came at you fast, but it came really good. Like you, you look behind you at life and, and family happened and kids happened and, and a house happened and a good job happened and all those things brought a ton of good things but also a ton of responsibility. And, and so you say, and you know the right answer is to depend on Jesus, but you look behind you at all those good things he's given you and you're like, well, somebody's got to be dependable. Somebody's got to be responsible and take care of all these things. So you become the dependable one instead of continuing to depend on Jesus yourself. After this, What's your after this moment? Whatever your after this is, it's often hard to have childlike faith after this. You know, uh, being on vacation, I haven't kept up like I should, but uh, what's, what's happening in Israel is, is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And, and this week, I had some friends who were there, and they found themselves stuck in the country because planes weren't flying to America. So the adults in, in the room on vacation were 
thinking about our friends and we're strategizing and we're scheming and we're thinking about ways that we could help or that we could help them think about whatever, right? We're, we're worried. We're trying to figure this out. And while we're doing all these things, Preston says, hey, can we just pray for them? That's a good idea, son. And so Preston leads us in prayer and we go on with our day. A few hours later, we get a message and they'd found a way home. Man, after this, after life, after living in that tension of dependence and independence, like it's hard to have childlike faith. Sometimes the older we get, it's hard to have childlike faith. But we can be certain of this. This is the good news, that Jesus always comes behind childlike faith and does unbelievable things. Unbelievable things. After this, it says, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place, what's it say, where he himself was about to go. We often forget that Jesus always follows childlike faith. He comes behind us and he does unbelievable things in these places. Notice it doesn't say, right, that Jesus sends out the 72 and says, good luck, call me if you need me. It says he sends out these 72 in pairs to the towns that he himself was about to go. He's going to do something unbelievable in these places. And notice, too, because we've read the end of the story, the kind of people that he appoints for these 72. He picks the people with childlike faith. Look ahead at, at verse 21. In this moment, Jesus is worshiping. He says, at that time, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. Isn't this a cool scene? Like Jesus is so excited about these followers that he worships his Father in heaven. And he does it in the Spirit. It's one of those times in Scripture where there's a, a picture of the Trinity all together. Jesus in the Spirit saying, God, I praise you. This is awesome what you're doing. You've done some incredible things through their childlike faith. You've revealed your best stuff through infants. That's really cool, God. Thank you. I love how Luke describes what happens next in verses 23 and 24. It says, Then, turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things you see, but didn't see them. To hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. Church, Jesus doesn't call you to faith and save you from your sins and then say, good luck, call me if you need me. Jesus doesn't tell you to, to learn to be independent and protect yourself. Jesus doesn't tell you to stockpile and count on your resources and call him when you're running low. That's not what Jesus says. That's not the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is when Jesus says things like, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. The good news is when Jesus says things like, Trust in me with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know me, and I will make your paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The good news is when Jesus says things like he does in Matthew 6, 30, and 31. When he's preaching and he says, you know, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, like if he takes care of even that, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? 
So don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear. Jesus comes behind childlike faith and does unbelievable things. Do you believe that? Or are you too old? You can be too old at age 11 or age 111. But the good news, the truth, is that Jesus comes behind childlike faith and does unbelievable things. And so our job, in the light of that gospel truth, is to learn to be a kid again. To learn to be a kid again. You know, to do that, America would suggest a trip to Chuck E. Cheese. It's where a kid can be a kid again. You remember the commercials? And if you don't go there, then the next thing they'd probably say is take a trip to see another mouse. Some of you might say, well, yeah, if I wanted to feel like a kid, I'd go to Disney World, right? And when I saw this and I thought about this, I thought, what is America's obsession with kids and mice? Like, do mice make kids happy? I don't know. This is really strange. But how would Jesus tell us to become a kid again? Jesus prescribes a mission trip. Oh, like that's for the really mature people in the faith. Ah, no. Eh, wrong. It's for those with childlike faith. And in fact, as we go, it's the place where we become a kid again. And so I want us to look at this passage and see how Jesus interacts with his followers, with those followers who have a childlike faith, and, and how he encourages them to become like children again. The first is to pray. Verse 2, Jesus told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, we're going to spend a whole Sunday on prayer later in this series as we get into chapter 11. So for today, I just want to make a couple notes and, and one application. All right? One note. Prayer is more about desperation than it is about devotion. Here's what I mean by that. I, I hear people all the time cite prayer as an example of their devotion to God. It goes something like this. Well, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out if I'm a good person, if, I'm bad, if God's pleased with me, or why this didn't happen. And, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I, I go to church and I pray. I mean, I probably don't pray as much as I should, but, but I pray. And they, they give this as evidence that they are a devoted follower of Christ. Now, when, when one of my kids needs something, they don't come to me and cite all the times that they've talked to me. They don't say, well, I think I'm a good kid because I come and ask you for things all the time. That would be weird. That would be weird. No, they, instead, when my kids desperately want something, whether that's a food, a toy, my phone, my attention, they ask, and 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 they ask until they get an answer. Amen? They don't stop. And it's annoying. But their desperate asking is a sign to me that they are dependent on me as their father. That's how it is with prayer. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 9 through 11, Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
Prayer is about desperation more than it's about devotion. It's not about doing it right. It's not about what you say. It's about bringing who you are into the presence of God and having a conversation with Him. And because that's true, prayer keeps us young. It keeps us young. Prayer is the thing that keeps us in that childlike posture of needing our Father, of asking Him for all the things that we desire and want and ask for. It's a sign that you trust Jesus to come behind you and do unbelievable things. Come back to our scene in Luke 10 with me. Jesus has sent 72 people out in pairs to places that he's coming after. That means that these people are just going out to plant seeds that, that Jesus and his kingdom are coming. Heads up, the kingdom is coming. And then he tells them to pray for workers to be sent to the harvest. Now, I want us to remember this is pre-cross. He's on his way to Jerusalem. These people have no idea about the forgiveness of sins through Jesus' death on the cross. And so these 72 people are praying for others to come behind them and to come behind Jesus, who will become their Savior on the cross, right? And who can actually save them. They're praying for people after that to come and work in the harvest of their souls. Now, I'm the worst gardener that you could imagine. But I grew up in the middle of cornfields, and I know this to be true. If you planted a field of corn with no intention of being the one to harvest it, people would think you're crazy. I'll just put these seeds in the ground and pray that the Lord sends someone who needs to harvest a field of corn. No one does that. No one does that, but that's exactly what Jesus is calling these workers to in this moment. He's calling them to this childlike faith right from the beginning. Listen, guys, go plant these seeds of good news that Jesus is coming and pray that God would send someone else to harvest them. He's saying, he's asking them to trust him, to depend on him, to walk. Like, would you trust that I'm coming behind you to make those seeds grow into a ripe harvest? Nothing was more helpful to the growth of those seeds than the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the good news that grows the seeds. Jesus walks behind God's children as they break new ground, growing these seeds with the power of the gospel. And because of that, we pray for workers to be sent to the harvest. Some of y'all may remember the, the devastation that Hurricane Katrina brought. Uh, it's 2005, and August 31st of 2005, there was a FEMA regional director named Marty Baham. Bahamandi, I can't say his last name. I'll call him Marty. Marty emailed the FEMA director that he reported to regarding the situation in New Orleans uh, immediately following Hurricane Katrina. Here's what he wrote. Sir, I know that you know the situation is past critical. Here are some things you might not know. Hotels are kicking people out. Thousands are gathering in the streets with no food or water. Hundreds are still being rescued from homes. There are dying patients at the medical tent. Estimates are many will die within hours. Evacuation is in process. Plans are developing for dome evacuation, but the hotel situation is adding to the problem. We're out of food. We're running out of water at the dome. Plans are in works to address that critical need. Our FEMA staff is okay and holding our own. The medical staff is working in deplorable conditions. And the sooner we can get the medical patients out, the sooner we can get the medical staff out. Phone connectivity 
is impossible. And the FEMA director received that email and responded, thanks for the update. Anything specific I need to do or tweak? Now, before we shake our heads at the director's cold response, I want us to consider something. What time is it? 10.49. In the hour that we've almost worshipped today, it's estimated that 6,930 people have died around the world. 6,930. It's estimated that 31% of the world's population believes in Jesus. Now, if I run the math, right, if I just lay those estimates over each other, that means that 4,782 of those people who've died in the last hour, upon their death, were separated from God forever. No longer able to be in his presence, eternally separated from him in eternal agony. And some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, are tempted to walk away from today with the response, thanks for the update, Blake. Anything specific I need to do or tweak in my life? What should our response be to the world's greatest problem? At the very least, the least we can do is pray. And as we pray, we must pray like little kids, Father! We don't want people to be separated from you. We don't want that. We don't want people to go to hell. Instead, we want people to know you and to love you. We want people to hear and see you do unbelievable things, God. So reveal yourself. Please send workers to the harvest. Please. Please. What would happen if we prayed like that? Like a child? If we just ask and 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 ask until he answered. I got a text this morning. There's one that we can pray for, right? I got a text this morning from one of our members, Leon Leonard. The Lord called him several years ago to prison ministry. He and, and uh, they go and they, they serve in the, in the prisons very often. And he sends me a text this morning. He said, Blake, we're in the prison this weekend. I'm scheduled to speak at 12 noon, and I hate public speaking. Pray for me. We're on it. Because the Lord is sending a worker to the harvest. Join me. I'm going to pray for Leon right now. Lord, use Leon. Thank you for sending him to the harvest. Send more. Rescue people in that jail today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. But as we pray, right? Jesus didn't say to them in verse 2, pray that the, the workers would go to the harvest while you sit here. Nope, that's not how it went. The world kept moving, and so they were praying as they went. Verse 3 says, now go. Now go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. After today, we might read this verse and say, now go. I'm sending you out like seals amongst hyenas. When we feel that tension, we're exactly where we're supposed to be. Nick and Ruth Ripkin have so often pointed out that the American church does a great job of teaching us how to be sheep among sheep, but a terrible job of teaching us to be sheep among wolves. 
And because of that, we're having to learn on the fly as our culture becomes increasingly post-Christian and the wolves seem to appear more and more often. Here's one thing I've observed in those changes. When lambs try and act like wolves, they end up getting eaten. A lamb trying to act like a wolf says, I have no need of the shepherd. I have the answers. I can defend myself. But a lamb acting like a lamb depends on the shepherd. When you read Jesus' instructions for these followers here about what they should take and how they should interact with people, it's really clear. He's calling them to complete and utter dependence on him, just like a kid, like a baby seal amongst hyenas. The good news is, is that when we depend on God for the resources to go, we also get to depend on him for the results. They're all in his hands. Notice that the disciples are to say the same thing whether the people that they go to accept or reject their message. The, the thing that they are to say, no matter what, is that the kingdom of God has come near. It's come near. And because of this, Jesus takes responsibility for the results. We read in verse 16, Jesus says, Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. He'll take responsibility for the results. You just go and depend on him. You see, everything in the kingdom of God is dependent on the king. So when these missionaries, full of childlike, dependent faith, come to their town, whether they accept them or reject them, the kingdom has come near because these missionaries are depending on the king for their resources and the results, and the the kingdom of God is in them. You see, when you go on mission, you become like a kid again. You depend on Jesus for the resources and the results. And in fact, when you go without that kind of dependence and you think you've got it all figured out, you're a tourist and not a missionary. Y'all, we're called to go like lambs among wolves. And you say, well, what's that look like? Like, how do we do that? Let me start big and come back to right back at home base, okay? Big is this. Get really excited because Katie and her missions leadership team has worked really hard on a full list of mission trips for 2024. It's coming out by the end of this month, all right? And we need to go. Like, let's go. And if you want to go some places that aren't on the list, like, tell me and let's go. Because as we're praying for workers to be sent to the harvest, we must be also going with him. The 13 streets. We haven't prayed for them in a while, but that doesn't mean that we've forgotten. There's 13 streets right around this intersection that we feel like God has placed us in for a very specific time and purpose and reason. And you're like, I don't know how to reach those people. Great. You know what that means? You've got to depend on him. Like a sheep among the wolves. A sheep dependent on a shepherd. So let's go. I want to keep bringing it even closer. Across the hallway, there are rooms full of children that don't know Jesus. They may have been exposed to him, but they don't, they don't know him. Like, go right over there. <laughs> Sign up at the end of the gathering today and say, I would love to serve and share Jesus with the young people that are here on Sunday mornings or here on Sunday nights, like work in next gen, be a missionary to the next generation. But let me keep bringing it closer and closer to home and, and what it means to really depend on him. Like it's one thing to, to go on a mission trip. It's another thing to go to the neighbors around us. Another thing to go to, to the friends in the back. But you know when you really have to start trusting him and depending on him? 
when you're reaching out and sharing the gospel and planting seeds of the gospel with your family. To reach your children, you're going to have to become like a child. Completely dependent upon him. To reach your siblings or your parents or your cousins, you're going to have to be a lamb dependent on the shepherd. One last note on going before we go to this last one. Notice that Jesus sent them in pairs. You know, it's all but impossible to learn dependence on Jesus when you're always trying to go independently. So if you want to get better at going, grab a friend, become a friend, pray together, then go together so that you can rejoice together. That's number three. The third way you can become a kid again. You go, you pray, and you rejoice. These missionaries return from their journey. I mean, they are pumped. They are full of joy. Jesus, even the demons submit to us in your name. And I love the response of Jesus. He starts by affirming the ministry that happened. Yeah, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Who wouldn't like to hear that from Jesus? I gave you the authority to do all that, he says. And then in verse 20, he says, rejoice. However, don't rejoice, sorry, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What's Jesus saying to them? He's saying, listen, don't forget the love you had as a kid. Don't fall in love with the success. Fall in love with the Savior. Rejoice about the fact that the God of the universe has written your name in the book of life that will live in heaven forever. Rejoice in that. The simple truth of the gospel that if you believe in him and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And the results will take care of themselves. It's when we rejoice in the results that we begin to depend on our own success instead of in our Savior. <clears throat> Yesterday, our family was eating a quick lunch in a fast food restaurant in Alabama. And a man approached our table. And he says, excuse me, um, I'm, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to buy lunch for me and my friend in the car. We're homeless, and we're trying to find a place to rent. And then he, he said, we don't want cash. Cash causes trouble. He had my attention. He said, we just want a couple burgers and some coffees. And then he said something that I'm not sure I've ever heard. I'm just not sure I've ever heard someone asking me for help say this. He says, it's okay if you say no. I believe the Lord provides. Okay. So we get in line, and it's a long line because it's a terribly run restaurant. <laughs> and the Lord knew I needed that because I trying to learn humility, and he gave me a chance to talk to William, learn a bit more about William's story. Of all things, he shares with me that in earlier life, he'd been a dachshund dog breeder. All right, I've got a dachshund at home. So I pull out my phone, and like we're, we're looking at pictures of our dog Lily, and he's marveling over her color and her hair and all these things. And I'm thinking, all right, Lord, like, I know I'm in this line with William for a reason, but I'm really not sure what's going on here. So I asked him if there was a way that I could be praying for him. 
And he started to open up about his position in life. He said, uh, pray for me because I, I just, not too long ago, finished a 28-day recovery program. And part of being homeless is that I'm, I'm trying to get back on my feet. And so I tenderly asked about what kind of recovery. And, and he shared that he had become addicted to meth. And so in a somber moment, we kind of commiserated over the ugly power of meth. And, and then William kind of turned and smiled and, and returned back to rejoicing in his recovery. And um, he shared with me, he said, I, I completed my program at a place called Turning Point. And so I kind of celebrated back with him. I said, well, it sounds like Christ was in the middle of your recovery. And he just looked back at me with this big smile and says, yes, sir. He absolutely was. You know, sometimes as adults, even as teenagers trying to grow up, we just long to be kids again, for things to be simple. Jesus helped these followers of his to be kids again by telling them to pray, go, and rejoice in the simple things. And the simplest of those things is that Jesus extends to each of us turning points. My, my prayer after that exchange with William yesterday was just, Lord, like make us a little bit more like William today. Help us rejoice that because of Jesus, our names are written in heaven. Because that's the place where a kid can truly be a kid again place where we're completely dependent on a good and loving Father. I want to invite the band to come back up. And as they do, I, I want to extend a simple invitation. <clears throat> it's a reminder that being a kid starts with being born again. And if you're wondering, how in the world do I do that? You're in luck, because there was a guy named Nicodemus who already asked Jesus that question. John chapter 3, verse 4, Nicodemus asked Jesus, how can anyone be born when he's old? <laughs> Maybe you're feeling a little old today. And then he says, can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. The invitation is simple. Have you been born of water and the Spirit? And you're just like, what does that mean? Let me ask you some questions. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Do you believe that? And if so, have you confessed that belief before others? In Romans 10, 9 and 10, we read these words. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Your spirit will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. If you need to make that confession today, if you believe that in your heart and you've never told anyone that, come, come now. Come down here, down front. 
and tell, tell us that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Scripture teaches that when we confess Jesus is Lord, we're also born again by water. If you believe today that Jesus is Lord and you've confessed him with your mouth, then you need to be baptized. It's, it's not should you or, you know, if. It's, it's like you need to be baptized. Don't delay the obedience. Why would you want to do it? Be a good kid. Let simple faith lead you to simple obedience. If you have questions about baptism or, or you know that you need to be baptized, like don't delay anymore. Just come down here when the band starts playing and say, I, I know I need to take this step. I know I need to be born again of the water and the Spirit. And for all of you who have followed Jesus and believers' baptism, I want to challenge you not to take communion today out of devotion or habit because you're a really faithful follower who's mature. Man, take it like a kid. Come to the table with Jesus and recognize that he's given you everything, enough to eat. More than you could ever ask and imagine in the body and the blood of Christ. Let him feed your soul at the table like you eat mac and cheese like a kid. Because that's the goodness of God, of our loving Father in heaven. Be a kid again. And watch Jesus come behind you and do unbelievable things. Jesus, send your spirit To those who haven't believed, give them faith. Give them faith, Lord. And to those who believe, make them like children. We pray in Jesus' name. Hey, DJ again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. Uh, we hope it was helpful to you and that you're encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together, joining Jesus and going outside. Uh, if you're a part of Christ's community, hey, let's, let's lean into this. Let's not let this just be an academic exercise, but let's apply what we've heard today. How can you be applying this truth in your life this week? If you're not part of the Christ Community family, we're glad that you joined us, glad that you found us, and we hope that, uh, that this message was helpful to you as well. One encouragement we would give you, if you're not part of a local church, uh, please don't use these resources as a substitute for that. It is a pale imitation of the real thing as we live in community with one another. So if you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in and experience Christian community as it was meant to be, and continue to use these resources to supplement that journey. But please don't replace it. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack, and I will see you on the trail. Thanks for listening to The Backpack, a production of Christ Community Church. The Backpack is hosted by DJ Williams, Daniel Bright, and Josiah Ward. You can learn more about Christ Community Church at loveshelbyville.com.